Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. I came to send fire on the earth. The fire about which he spoke was the fire caused, or that causes division. Jesus did not intend for there to be division. He merely recognized the fact that division happens whenever there's a choice between doing what is right and doing what is wrong. Tonight we're going to consider how to manage that fire. Because it is going to come, it has come, it will continue to do so. How are we supposed to manage that? What are we supposed to do with that? I want for just a few minutes to think about two kinds of division. First, there is the division that comes when the message of God's Word is presented and some accept it while others do not. There is a division. Secondly, I want to consider those who have all accepted the message of Jesus, but then because one or more decide to turn aside, a division is created. Let us consider those fires of those divisions. I was reminded in Bible class this morning that Jeremiah the prophet, in chapter 20 and verse 9, said, I said in my heart, I will not speak anymore. I will not say anymore for God. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire. And I could not withhold. He would say later, quoting God in chapter 23 and in verse 29 in Jeremiah, God said, is not my word a burning fire? You see, Jesus said, I came to send fire. He brought his word. The word of God, Paul said in Romans chapter 1 in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. God's power lies in his word. His word is a powerful flame. It is a fire that burns. And anyone who confronts it is touched by the flame. And it, by its nature, causes division. We noticed this morning that we are by the fire being made in the image of God if we allow it to be. A point that I want to stress and to show how it fits even tonight. A fire, one of its characteristics is that it reveals. It shows. It makes everyone see what really is going on. The fire reveals the nature, the character of the person who encounters it. Let us consider this fire that Jesus has sent. 
In the first place, let us consider the fire that causes the division between those who have accepted Jesus and those who have not. Imagine living in the first century. Imagine those Jews. They had been raised in the environment of the Word of God. They had been taught from the time they were little children. And may I just deviate a moment? My impression when I read about the Jews training their children, they may have done a far better job than we have. They started extremely young, putting the Word of God in their hearts. But imagine that scenario. And then all of a sudden, this, this faithful generation, these people who were God's people are now confronted with a new message. A message that their own prophets had said was coming. The Messiah is on the way. Some of them accepted that message. Others did not. That division is real. That division is difficult. That division has to be a very tough thing to handle. Because we are accustomed to our relationship. And when those relationships are challenged, it's tough. Now, I was raised in a home that basically taught me exactly what I now teach. So I have not had the experience of those people who came away from a situation a division caused by their accepting something that someone else rejected. I can't imagine what that is like. I've seen it a few times, a number of times actually here in Richmond. One particularly stands out of a young college student who decided to obey the gospel and her family kicked her out of their house because she rejected the family religion. I know how difficult that was for her. And therefore, I can see it and we can read about it in scripture because it happened a lot. When some people reject God and others accept how much do you have to read in Scripture before you encounter that very thing happening in the book of Acts? I'll tell you, almost the next day after Acts 2, immediately 
Peter and John were accosted by the rulers of the Jews because now they were preaching and teaching something different. And from that moment on, in Acts chapter 4, from that moment on, the entire book of Acts is filled with the persecution that resulted because of these people accepting the challenge of Jesus and others did not. And the fire burned. And that fire continued to burn and caused the division that happened. Again, Jesus doesn't want that. He's not looking for that. He's not wanting it to happen, but it does. What are we supposed to do with that? How are we supposed to handle that? I want you to think with me for a minute or two, about how we can manage this situation. How we can manage a situation when we know that there are people who have rejected what we now accept. And what am I supposed to do with that? These things, I want to deal with the First Peter 3 passage. You want to look at that for just a minute. We'll be there in a moment as we consider how to manage this fire. I think it is interesting, at least from my perspective, that God gave us that passage. Because it represents what happens in the closest and most intimate relationships of life when one person says yes, and the other person says no. And through that situation, I think we can learn how to manage the fire. Now, these relationships were scattered throughout Scripture. In 2 Timothy 1, Timothy's mother and grandmother apparently had become Christians and their spouses were not. Now likely, they also had been Jewish women married to Gentile men, which was interesting in itself in that situation. Acts 16, it may be that Lydia was in the same situation. She is mentioned as a household praying to God. We don't find anything about a family, nothing about a husband. She may have been on her own. But clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul had to deal with that very thing. Because in Corinth there was a lot of trouble. And one of the things that they had to face was, what happens if you have two people who are married and one of them decides, I want to be a Christian, and the other says, no, I'm not going to. And in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul had to deal with that. And he said, if that one who doesn't want to serve Jesus is willing to live with you as a Christian, just keep going. But what happens if that one does not want to continue in a relationship with you? Then there's nothing you can do because you need to hold on to the relationship you have with Jesus. But examining the difficulty of that situation where one chooses and the other chooses not, 
Let me offer at least a perspective from 1 Peter 3 about how to handle or to manage that fire. Let me suggest, number one, don't run. Don't run. We're dealing with people who are not Christians. You became a Christian. The one who became a Christian, don't run from the other one. He says in this passage to these wives, it's obvious in the text, that these are Christian women married to non-Christian men. And he is giving advice to these women how to manage the fire of that division. And if I can learn from that very close and intimate relationship how to handle that one, then surely I can use it to handle all of my relationships that are divided by the fire of Jesus. Don't run. He says to these women, you still be submissive to your husbands. You are still in a marriage relationship. He did not advocate leaving. He did not advocate getting away. He did not advocate putting away. He said, don't you run from that. And I would suggest that we can learn from that when we have relationships in life not nearly as intimate as husband and wife, but those relationships that are divided because you have chosen to be a Christian and this person has not. Don't run from the relationship. Don't leave it. There's power in staying there. Number two, not only do you not run, Notice the verse continues. If some do not obey the word, they may without a word be won by the conduct of their wives. Not only do you not run, but you don't harp. Don't harp. Don't keep pushing with the word. Don't keep throwing it in their faces. Don't keep harping on it. It's not the job of this Christian wife constantly to throw things in the face of her husband who is not a Christian. You don't harp on it. I know of a story. where a woman, Christian woman, her husband was not on board with her living her Christian life. And he would constantly do little things on Sunday hoping to disrupt her from being in worship. In fact, it finally got to the point where on a Sunday, he got up and took off the spark plug cables. Couldn't start her car. You know what she did? She started walking. 
And he says, that was the turning point. She didn't run in the house screaming and yelling and harping. He says, if you have those relationship issues, don't harp. Number three, when they observe, don't hide. Your Christian life has caused the division, yes. You have decided you want to be a child of God, yes. But don't hide it. Just because this other person doesn't want to serve Jesus, don't you go sit in a corner. Don't you say, well, I better tone it down a little bit. I want to keep the peace by living less of a Christian. No, you don't hide. Because he says, they will observe you. What if this woman had decided it's just a whole lot easier just to back off? I'm not going to volunteer to do any extra things. I'll do the minimum. I'll be there when we worship. But I'm not going to do anything else so I don't make him upset. That's not what... Peter said, he said, don't you hide your Christianity. You just keep at it. When you have a relationship situation with someone, don't think that you need to back off. Just keep going. Finally, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Don't confuse. Don't confuse. You have said that you're a child of God. He's telling this woman, you have chosen to be a Christian. Well, they need to see that you're doing what you claim to have done. They want to see your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Don't confuse the situation. You say you're a Christian. Not only do you not hide, but you actually get out there and practice it because otherwise it will be confusing. He will look and he will say, wait a minute. Why isn't she doing this if that's what she claims? Now, we can take that into any relationship, can't we? Any one of our relationships, not any of them as close as this intimate relationship, but I can take it there and I can let them know, yes, this is how I'm going to live and I'm not going to allow anything else. Let me give an example. Many, many times in the years, I've had people who are dating. Some of our people are dating someone not a member of the church, not a Christian. And the question has all, comes up frequently. Okay, this person keeps inviting me to church. Should I go? Now let that settle on you for a minute. And here is what I always say. If you're going to show 
that you believe something strongly. Don't you set it aside just to make them happy. I'm not saying you should never walk in the door of a, another church. That's not my point. But I can say without hesitation for me, and I've said it consistently to everyone when asked, don't forsake, turn away from, or set aside what you believe is true just to make them happy. Find another time to go. I have a problem going and learning and seeing and understanding. But I do have a problem when you say, this is what I believe is right, but I'm going to set it aside for a while and go over there. Doesn't make sense to me. Because it's confusing. I think I can take this passage and put it into any relationship where I have chosen to be a Christian and these other people with whom I have this relationship have not. And if I do this, I think I can manage the fire of division pretty well. Number two, consider the fire of division that happens between people, all of whom have accepted Jesus. They're all Christians. And now because something has happened, we have division. Something has arisen. The whole book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, both of those books, were generated because of division. I beseech you, brethren, that you all speak the same thing. That you all be joined together perfectly in the same mind and the same judgment. 1 Corinthians 1 verse number 10. There are things that happen within congregations that cause division. The fire has started. And now division has happened in the church, in the congregation, the local situation. And Paul had to write those people and say, wait a minute. I want you to be together. But number two, sometimes the division starts on a one-to-one -one level and eventually ends up in the congregation. Matthew 18, the passage we know well, talks about if your brother offends you, you go to him. And if he hears you, you've gained your brother. If he doesn't hear you, take with you two or three more witnesses that in the mouth of these witnesses, every word may be established. And if he hears you, you've gained a brother. But if not, take it before the church. And if he refuses to hear the church, let him be to you as a heathen and a publican. And then he goes on to say, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. When you handle division this way, that is, you offended me. And I come to you 
It didn't work. So I take two or three more. It doesn't work. We take the church. It doesn't work. We do it this way, the way God says to handle it. God says, I'm on your side. I'm there. I'm agreeing with you. But I'll promise you this. When people get in a spat and they don't follow this, God is not there. He is not appreciative. He says, you go through this process and I am there with you. If you don't, I'm not there. We have to understand that when problems arise individually, they might get to the congregational level. How do we manage the fire? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I think you will notice very quickly a difference. 1 Corinthians 5, starting verse 9. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral of this world or with the covetous or the extortioners or the idolaters since you would need then to go out of the world. But now I've written to you that you should not keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral, covetous, idolater, reviler, drunkard, extortioner, not even to eat with a person. You know what he says to manage this fire? Run. See, it's different now. We're talking about two Christians. We're talking about groups of Christians. We're talking about a brother in Christ who is in trouble, sinning. He says, run. Don't even sit down and eat with them. Especially in the first century. You share a meal with somebody at a table, it's the highest form of acceptance that you could give to someone. I got to tell you, it's pretty high on my list too. You know, by the way, I'm coming. Frankie knows I'm pointing at her. Here's the point. Run. When you have a person who's not a Christian and a person who is a Christian, don't run. But when you have two Christians, you run. Number two. For what have I to do with judging those who are on the outside? Do you not judge those who are on the inside? You know what he says? Harp. Harp on it. You judge it. Not harping on the person. We're not harping on the personality. We're not harping on the character. We're harping on the action. He says you harp on it. You judge it. You nail it down. When you have a non-Christian and a Christian, you don't harp on it. Because the non-Christian is not under the authority of God in the same way. But when you have two Christians, when you have sets of Christians who are divided, you better harp on the Word of God. And don't you let up. Don't you stop. 
finally third. But those who are outside God judges, therefore put away from yourselves the evil person. Be clear. Clarify. Just like to those who are not Christians, divided from Christians. Don't confuse them. Don't mess them up. Don't send mixed signals. When you have two Christians, you better be very clear what you're doing. We are opposing the action. We don't oppose the person. We oppose the action, harping on the Word of God. And if it does not change, you run. I know of a situation. Now, anytime you come up with situations, there's always debate over whether or not the way it was handled is fully proper. But the mindset behind it was. A man was continually dividing the church, standing up against the elders, not submitting in a public way, and people knew it. And finally, on a Sunday, they read a letter with that man sitting in a pew and saying, he is no longer faithful, and we are at this moment withdrawing fellowship from him. That's tough. That is tough. But you know what? It was clear. And they were harping on the Word of God. And so they ran, just as God said to do. You want to hear the end of the story? Faithful. He came home. Hard worker. Preaches. You see, Jesus knew the fires of division were coming. He knew it. And He gave us the way to manage it. And if we manage the fire the way that He's told us to do it, you know what happens? Divisions can be healed. People who are not children of God might become His children because we manage the fire well, bringing them to better understanding. And when Christians are at odds with each other, when we manage the fire well, we bring them back to faithfulness. And after all, that's what God wants. He admits division's coming. He doesn't want it. But he tells us how to handle it when it does. I hope it's been helpful to you today to learn about the fire that Jesus said he would send and how to manage it. Thankfully, the division that was between us and God was healed when God made a move and sent Jesus. Tonight, if you're not his child, if you've never obeyed the gospel, or maybe fires of division have taken you away from him. If we can help you, our shepherds are willing to meet you here as we stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. 
We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.